It's the Bondcast. Yours truly, Bonzi. How are you? Today, a special guest, Canadian musician. You know him, you love him. His name's John Angus. He's from the band The Trues. Originally from Anaganish, Nova Scotia. Now currently residing in, wait for it, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It's funny because I was born and raised in Hamilton, lived there for 20, 20-ish years, and was made fun of because of the fact that I lived in what was known then as stinky, gross, smelly Hamilton. <laughs> but it is now turned into um, a musical hotbed. So many bands reside there or come from there. And during this upcoming Bondcast, John Angus references quite a few of them, and the, the list is quite surprising. Uh, this was a real treat to do. John Angus, uh, I've known the Trues or, or been part of their music for a long time. I've never really met them before. Met, met a couple of them a long time ago, and we talk about that in the podcast too. Um, but, but he's just such a nice guy. So down to earth, very well spoken, happy to be here. I mean, I, I, I'm not the, the most famous of interviewers by any means, but John Angus took the time and, and he even apologized at the end for not for not taking a full hour with me and and having a bit bigger better conversation. So I really did enjoy talking with John Angus. He's a trip. They just got off uh playing some live shows, like real live shows in front of people. So, you know, and after what? It's a month, a year and a half off, they go out and play and I got to talk to him right after. So, let's get right to it. It's a fantastic interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Without further ado, Here's John Angus from The Trues. Welcome to Bonzi Live. It's John Angus, everybody, from The Trues. Uh, I hope you were well and recovered after uh, I had a great weekend of some live gigs. How's, how was that? And welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Um, it, it felt great. It felt amazing to be back on stage and uh, in front of real-life people. I mean, we did such a mixed bag of things since the pandemic from a lot of live streaming. We did some drive-ins. We did um, some socially distanced acoustic shows. But I mean, this weekend really felt like it heralded the return of kind of like normal-ish shows. I mean, the crowd was still spaced out, but they were right there in front of us. Tons of yeah. sunlight, good vibes. So it felt really good. Awesome. That's a cool. Vi- you played Burles Creek, right? Um, on was it Friday night or Saturday night? On Friday night, they had shows. They Friday had shows night. Weekend. Yeah, the, the festival all weekend, ran, right? Ran for the weekend, but we played Friday. Cool, cool little venue, right? It's I guess it's uh, the new Molson Park, if you will. Yeah, it's certainly not little, but it is cool. It's a, it's a very huge space. Um, but I guess yeah. the, stage, the stage that used to be at um, Echo Beach is now living up there permanently, and they're going to do shows, um, I, I guess, kind of regularly. So, yeah, it's going to be the new equivalent of Molson Park, I think. Ah, cool. I didn't know that. Echo Beach was always a cool spot to see a show, too. But, um, yeah, so uh, it's so great that it, it just a feeling of playing in front of all those people. It just it, there's it's a different vibe to it, isn't it? Instead of, like you said, the movie th- or the drive in theaters or the socially distanced thing, um, you know, even though it's a big venue, it's it's just got that that different vibe to it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, we took what we did for granted. Like, you, I don't, nobody ever expected the live part of our business to go away. Like, it was always, you know, the sky has been falling for the music industry for 20 years about recorded music revenue and all this other kind of stuff. But I, I think everybody always thought you could always hit the road and at least play for your fans and have a career. And um, when that rug was ripped out from that end of things, I think it left a lot of people like me kind of reeling. 
uh, trying to find their bearings again in life because we're just so used to it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it felt like getting back to that. And I think that was very necessary for, for, for fan and audience and band alike, you know? Yeah. Well, so I, I have to ask, where does the name the, the Trues come from? Did you basically look at a keyboard and go, okay, what's the easiest to type? Because when all my writing and notes and stuff, when you type out the Trues, it is literally the easiest thing to type out on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a coincidence. Where does the name come from? We we is found it? that yeah. out. Yeah, we found that out for, like everybody else by typing from the T backwards. Um, but uh, yeah. It was, you know, for the longest while, when we started our band, we called ourselves One-Eyed Trouser, which came from the Monty Python that. film, The Meaning of Life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then people just called us Trouser as a nickname, and that kind of stuck. And we moved to Ontario, and we were about to release our first EP, and uh, somebody sent us a letter in the mail saying they already have that name. It was like a letter from their lawyer saying, cease and desist, you can't use the name. So we were like on the... I think we had the weekend to come up with a new name because our, our debut EP was going to get printed with the wrong name on it. So we had like two days to figure it out and uh, everybody was scrambling and throwing out different suggestions. And somebody from back home, we're from Antigonish, Nova Scotia, the, the Highland Heart, right. Nova Scotia. Somebody from back home said, well, you know, a traditional Scottish form of trousers is called trues. And we'd never heard the word trues before. And we just thought it sounded cool. It had a good catch to it. And like, you know, it's, it's the never-ending headline name for a band. I've seen every single version of "Trues or False" or "Too Good to Be Trues" or uh, you know, yeah. uh, I just heard I've heard every single play on it. So it, it seems to, to to have a catchiness to it, and uh, that's where it came from. I love it, and it's funny. I mean, I, I usually do know a lot of the the where the band name came from and stuff, but I didn't. I never knew. I knew you were the one-eyed trouser. <laughs> Still, that makes you laugh every time. Um, <laughs> Um, and then, and, but great. I just love it. I think it, it's just the truth. You know, it's just got that great pop off the tongue and everything. So uh, we go way back. Funny enough. Oh, Anaganish. I wanted to bring that up. Fabulous town. First girl I ever really kind of fell in love with was uh, from Anaganish, Nova Scotia. Nice. <laughs> we worked, we worked together at the Bam Springs hotel. She was my boss in valet parking. <laughs> I mean, chances are I probably know her or somebody in her family because it's such a small place. Right, uh, you probably everybody don't. Her name probably ends with McDonald too, right? <laughs> Dude, it her it, her last name is McDonald. I I, I I can't even make this up. So I'll ask you afterwards if, if you know her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So we go. I was just saying we go way back. Do you remember playing at uh, Angus Glen way back in the day for uh, a Dean Blundell uh, event back back then? Yeah, I think so. You guys played. Up? Sam Roberts played. Yeah. Um, a couple of the boys from the hip were there. Paul and Gord Sinclair, as yeah. always. And you guys uh, jammed on stage that night. Fabulous uh, spot for for a little jam. And, and it was a, a memorable night for me, uh, for one. Got to see and meet you guys, of course, Paul and, and Gord. Um, so moving into that kind of you have a relationship with the Tragically Hip. Um, over the years and how did that all start is that just something because of being in music or were you friends otherwise um, we sort of we grew up as fans you know like uh, when we first started our band um, in the 90s that we started in the mid 90s we're still in high school and uh, the hip were you know inescapable in this country so we were fans of, of what they were doing and 
especially that period around uh, Trouble at the Hen House and Phantom Power Music at Work. That's when I really fell into the band as a big fan. And um, we saw them live a bunch and and met them as fans at first. We met them in Halifax after one of their shows. And then but flash forward about four years and, um, you know, we were kind of flying high with our first single, uh, Not Ready to Go. And we got an invitation to join them at a, at a show in Kingston. They were playing uh, across the causeway at the base there in Kingston. And it was a huge festival. I think like 30,000 people were there and they invited us to be on the bill. So that was our first time, like sort of crossing paths, um, you know, in, in any kind of professional way. And they were just great guys. I mean, they invited us out to their studio the next day and they were shooting a music video and we hung out and, and got to know them a little bit. And then that, that sort of friendship continued through the years. We played together a few more times and, and then eventually yeah. we decided to make a record out at their, their bathhouse studio and Gord Sinclair, who you mentioned, uh, kind of put his hand up and said, we'd love to sort of join in the creative process. And he kind of basically became the producer of that record and co-wrote a lot of the songs and, um, and so that just sort of cemented that, that friendship and working relationship. And, uh, and then we went on to play with them a bunch more and, uh, you know, they, they all remain friends, you know, obviously, uh, yeah. you know, so I just, I love those guys. What is, what a, what a special thing to, to be a fan at first and, and as a musician, musician yourself and loving them. And then you, you build that friendship and, and it really has been, and as a fan of both bands, I've got to see your friendships grow over the years and it's been really cool. So that's something you'll always look back on and cherish. I, I would imagine for sure. Yeah. And they, they continue, you know, like Gord uh, Sinclair called me two years ago and said he wanted to do a solo record. It was his first outing since the hip and he wanted some trusted people around. So he invited me and, uh, and uh, James McKenty out to his place in Kingston. And I invited our drummer, Chris, and we, we made a record together. So Gord put out a solo record called Taxi Dancers. Uh, unfortunately, he put it out in March of 2020. Um, so we, we didn't get yeah, a chance right. to tour it too much. We were actually on tour together when the sort of curtain dropped. Uh, so we, we haven't had a right. chance to play it, but but it's a great record. And I recommend anybody who likes the hip and particularly what Gord Sinclair brings to the project um, to check that record out. Yeah. Oh, I definitely will for sure. I, I, I always love new music and um, I love your music too. I mean, there's some tunes you, you got, it, it, fantastic running tunes, I might add. Uh, got back into the running and take yeah. me through the musical process of of starting. As it were, were you always into writing as a, a young teenager and stuff? And how did you progress into where you are now with writing, you know, a great record after great record? Well, when we started, I think there's so many, by the time, you know, we were starting a band, um, it, it was assumed that you were, you're supposed to write your own songs. And even though we weren't great at it, as nobody is at first, uh, we always right. wanted to have our own music. But the reality of being an East Coast bar band meant that you had to do a whole bunch of covers to keep people in the place. Um, so we did probably 50-50 at first. Like we were doing covers by everybody from you know, the doors to REM to, you know, Oasis and stones and, and everything under the sun. But, um, but then we were always writing our own tunes at the same time. So we tried to like mix them in because we wanted right. to develop that craft and we knew it took, you know, it takes a lot. I mean, like it just, you have to write a lot of songs to get to the good ones. And, and I've heard everybody say that, um, but, you, but you have to start somewhere. So I think it's important yeah. to sort of have that as a goal, as a young band, like to, to develop and shape your own material and have, have a sort of unique voice of your own. Uh, and then sure enough, you know, once, once we uh, started releasing our own music, there was just no need to 
to do the cover songs anymore. So we stopped doing that. Right. And, uh, and then the writing got better and better and you get more curious and you get deeper into it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a development thing. I think that it's important that that message you get across to younger bands that you, you know, you have to, you have to develop it. It's like, it's, it's like, you're not, everybody's a natural born genius, you know, like touched on the shoulder by God or like that, you know, like there right. is a craft to it and it takes, takes time. It takes, uh, it takes some effort, you know? It's like the 10,000 hour rule almost. Right. You know, I, just I do believe it. I, yeah, I believe yeah. that. I think JD Souther, you know, that famous writer, you know, in the Eagles orbit, he said, how do you become a songwriter? He's like, well, you have to write 10,000 bad ones. And then you'll, uh, <laughs> then you'll start writing some good ones. Uh, so, yeah. and it's so, it's so humbling that I think a lot of people, it makes them too uncomfortable to even start, you know, but I think it's some kind of combination of like being cocky and, and stupid enough to dive in and just think you can do it. And then you sort of roll with the punches and, and, and you, you write all those bad ones, you flop a few times, you, but then it gets somewhere eventually, you know? So yeah. uh, it does take a little grit to get through all that. You learn as you go. So speaking of, uh, and uh, the, how difficult is the writing process? Um, now it's no secret. The, the truths have had, had seen band members come and go. Um, what's it been like for you see, seeing, you know, guys you wrote some great music with and started with kind of move on just because of, you know, different reasons, of course, uh, w with all of them, but is it hard for you to, to get a new band member in and get that, that vibe and gel going again? Or is it something that as, as professionals, it's just kind of just clicks? Well, it's mostly been drummers <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Final Tap is uh, you know like it's like every cliche in the book is kind of like true, um, but you know we, we Sean, my 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 uh, brother Colin and Jack we've been this, we've been the band since 1996, and right. we've had we had two drummers before Sean who became the sort of drummer who uh, we had our big run with you know like we had our first hits with and stuff like that so he was in the band for like. 12 years or 13 years and yeah was... that was the sort of original lineup i think everybody sort of refers to and um sean basically the road was just not working for him anymore and uh he had to move on and that was probably a difficult the most difficult transition because he was in the band for so long and then yeah. we've had two drummers since sean um because you know I, I feel like it, after sean it became more of a position which was kind of just like for, for hire and, and and you're trying to find the right chemistry again you know and yeah. i think with the guy we have right now chris gormley i think we really have developed a new really strong chemistry and, I, and when i say chemistry i mean like writing and everything you know so because we like a band member to be a real full-time band member you know of and, course and creating new music is a really important part of not of not shriveling up and dying so um so anyway chris has been great and i feel like we have this this other thing going on now uh but but chemistry is um elusive and it's not it's not automatic so, you know, you got to you got to find the right person and you got to play a lot. And I feel like we're kind of on a really good new role, especially with this record we're going in to release. Uh, it's going to be out in November. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I know I've, uh, we're limited time here, so I'm going to race through uh, a couple of questions from from fans. Uh, Dion wants to know what it was like for you uh, playing with the Rolling Stones back in 2005. That must have been a pretty, pretty special time for you and, and one of your greatest musical memories. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it was so unexpected. We were like setting up our second record, Den of Thieves, in, in, in Toronto at the time. And we, none of us lived in Toronto yet, but we were all there promoting it and doing all these interviews. And 
the songs were all, all all over the radio and much music. And I guess the Stones got wind of us and and we got the invite the day before to come and wow. join them at the Phoenix, which was just like it's one thing to open for the Stones at the Enormo Dome, where you may never even run into them, but the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto only holds about a thousand people, and we literally were setting up our drums on the floor as they rehearsed "Sway" and "Dead Flowers" on stage, like a couple feet away, and um, you know we got to hang out with them after our set and before their set, and we uh, got to say hi and got a great photo op, and then we got to watch the Stones for an hour and a half at a, in a club. I mean, like it's one of those things I, I will never forget. It. It was it was amazing and. Uh, I'll always cherish that memory for sure. That's awesome. Well, great question. I'm glad she asked it. I'm, I'm glad you got to, to uh, tell that story. That's that's so awesome. I just get, get chills thinking about just how, how that must be is like you, you're being a big music fan and, and then the Stones hear about you guys and, and are digging what you're throwing down. That's got to gotta feel pretty awesome at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, it definitely was like a... Uh, it didn't even feel real until yeah. it was over. And then we got sent the next day. Stones. Like, I guess it did happen. <laughs> wow. uh, it, it was one of those really crazy things, you know, like once in a lifetime kind of vibe. Uh, good for you. Uh, she also requests that you try and get a spot at Ohana uh, Fest this coming October in, in California, where I'm currently at. What's the chances of that? I don't, I've not heard of that festival. So yes, please. I would love to find out who, oh. find out who to, to talk it's, to and it. it's Eddie Vedder's festival, really. Uh, he plays solo a lot. Um, I don't even know if Pearl Jam plays him. I'm pretty sure it's all it's the Eddie festival, if you will, and he invites a bunch of bands. Or, uh, but yeah, maybe I'll. Whoever, if you guys know the right people, invite us down. I'm sure we'd love to come. I will. I will work on that definitely. Uh, okay, what else do we got? So, do I have this right? Are you guys? Yeah, I know you're from all over and uh, born and raised in Anaganish, but uh, did I read correctly somewhere you're in the in Hamilton now as as a band? Yeah, I live in Hamilton. Um, Jack moved here first. We were based in Toronto about ten years during the you know uh, the kind of madness of touring. We always kept a home base in Toronto. And then we started having families. Jack, Jack and I both have kids. Jack moved out and bought a house here. About a year later, I realized it was a great deal to buy a house out here. He bought a house. And Colin moved just this last year. He bought a condo. So we are kind of mostly here now. Uh, a couple of the guys like Jeff and Chris are still in Toronto. But, um, but okay. most three out of five are here in Hamilton. So really setting the bar high in the old Hamilton region there, bud. <laughs> well, we're, we're joining an already high bar, you know. I mean, like, we've got the Arkells here, Monster Truck, and Dirty Nil, and guys from July Talk, and uh, the Strombellas, and Tom Wilson, and Dave. Yeah, there's a lot, eh? And in Hamilton, the beaches? Aren't the beaches? Hamilton, Hamilton and Winnipeg, I'd say, are like the two biggest sort of blue-collar music t- towns in, in the country, and uh and it's just been it's been great. My experience here for the last five years has been amazing. That's awesome. I, I, I'm a, all, I'm just joking because I'm born and raised in Hamilton, so I'm allowed to make fun of it. Because <laughs> everywhere yeah. I went, you people, you where are you from? And you'd be like, oh. you know, back in the day, because Hamilton stunk and it was dirty, and that's all ever anybody ever knew, right? <laughs> my first impression of this place is driving over the Skyway and looking over my shoulder and thinking like it was the set of a Mad Max film or something. Like it was, it looked so, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic and industrial and. But then you realize it's you know there's this great other side to it and it's and it's really um, it's really coming up in a great way. Uh, that's cool. All right, uh, a couple more things before we go. Real quick, uh, rapid fire, spicy or mild? Spicy. Pizza or steak? Pizza. Nice golf or tennis? 
Golf. Beach or the mountains? Beach. Nice. Love the answers. Love it. So as being in a band, you've traveled extensively touring and, and whatnot. Um, I know it's a grind on the road as I have come to learn myself of being in this bus for almost five months. What's your favorite thing about traveling and instead of your not favorite thing, you know? Oh, I like a lot about traveling. And, and one thing the pandemic reminded me is like, I love being on tour and, and as much cool. as sometimes I complain about, um, waiting in an airport or, or complain about a crappy hotel room or something, but that's just me being a little bit at the end of the day, you know, taking it for granted and being spoiled about it. Cause I love, I love constant movement. I love the, I, I really love the flow that the band gets into when we're in like the middle of a run and there, there's almost like an unconscious unspoken language that develops on stage between the players. And you can't get that playing one offs or, or just in a rehearsal. Like there's something that else that happens when you're on tour, that the music gets better. And then just the, the idea of seeing new places, new people, eating new food and, uh, I love I love a day off on tour when we could go out and you know I'll play a, a shitty round of golf, <laughs> um, or, or I'll go to the beach or you know or something like that. And I, I mean I really do miss it. You know, like the, yeah, the last year and a half made me realize I'll, I'll never take it for granted again. And um, you know, it got its downsides. You know, not being away from your family isn't great. But the thing is, my whole family right. was forged and developed with my career around it like it's never been any different for us it's not like i just dropped everything and hit the road you know uh we've always just made it work you know like they come visit when they can and i come home when i can and uh but i i don't i i don't dislike the road i I quite love it i love the i love the perpetual motion um and the new experiences awesome I love it too. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, obviously with with this break and stuff, so many uh, bands have been writing uh, new music on the way from from the Trues. Yeah, so we dropped a single called "I Want to Play" uh, back in March, and uh, it's done quite well on the on the radio and otherwise up here. And that's the sort of first single off the upcoming release, which we mostly cut during the during the pandemic. We started the record in Nashville in late 2019 working with Rich Robinson from the Black Crows, who's, who's a pal of ours. And we were planning to go back to finish it with him. And that never came to pass because the borders remain closed. And uh, so uh, we ended up doing a sort of like hodgepodge of things up here in Canada. We worked with the producer who did uh, Civilian Airs, our last record. We did some songs with him and we worked with a guy named Eric Ratz. And we got this record together. It's 13 songs and uh, it comes out November uh, 19th, I believe. And you can pre-order it already. It's okay. up uh, there's another song we put out to sort of preview so you can check it out and it'll come out in November. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to it and I'm sure many of uh, all the Truce fans do as well. John Angus, I can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, to out of your busy schedule. I know you got to run. So yeah, again, thank you so much for joining Bonzi live. Thanks. Thanks. Sorry. It's Greg, right? it's, I appreciate the time, yeah. man. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We didn't get yeah, to the full hour. I just, uh, I have, our wires got crossed and I got somewhere else to be in about 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's on me too, because I was definitely late because I had this LPGA thing that I had to do, but I wish you and the truth continued success. 2021 happy touring uh, must be so great to be back out on the road. So cherish it. Soak it all in and take care. Thank you so yeah, much. Take care on the road yourself. Thank you, pal. It's John Angus from the truth. Told you what a great guy. eh? Just so humble down to earth, simple guy. He'd never even really know he'd been in a, in a rock band for the past, like, 20, 20 almost years. It's just amazing. 
Get to play with the Stones. Open for the Stones. Meet the Stones. Play with so many other great bands. Great friendships with the Tragically Hip, Gore Downey. And so many others along the way. And I guess that's how it goes in the music world. Um, maybe they don't all love each other, but it is a pretty tight-knit world out there. And, and there is a lot of uh, a friendliness and camaraderie that goes on in the uh, music world. Especially if you're in the Hamilton music world, uh, which is a huge scene. I wasn't kidding on that either, was I? So many great bands out of there. Tom Wilson, The Junk House, The Beaches, Dirty Nil. It goes on and on and on. Uh, Monster Truck. It's fabulous. Great music scene. I miss being in Hamilton sometimes, especially for that music scene. Can't thank John Angus enough again. Uh, folks, go check out their new album. It is, it is out now. If you have a chance to go see them live, do that as well. They put on a phenomenal show. Never a dull moment. And uh, they just got great music. And I wasn't kidding. I love to run to some of the, the true songs. It's just got that, that good running vibe to it. You know what I mean? Anyways, I hope you enjoyed the Bondcast. Again, that's John Trues. John Angus from the Trues. Such a wonderful guy. I uh, look forward to talking with him again. We'll definitely have him back on. And, uh, and even a longer, bigger and better chat. Again, thanks for listening. It's Bonzi. That was the Bondcast. Have a great day. Take care of yourself. Can't wait for the next one. Bye. I sat in a tree to watch a sunset. I drink from the bottle when I get up. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.